This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Today we are talking about Lady Bird and Greta Gerwig. No, I was going to say, I wanted to start out today saying, welcome to the Leo podcast, where we cover only books, TV shows, and movies made by Leos. Exactly. Have you noticed this? Greta, uh, Britt Marling, and Celeste Ng, all Leos. I didn't know that about Greta yes. Gerwig. What's wrong yes. with me? How did I not <laughs> check that? Probably because yes. I know you're going to check it. She is a Leo. I will, though, add that Sir Ronan is an Aries. Thank you, finally. That was, you, it's she, like you can read my mind. I was going to say, did you check what Sir Ronan was? She, her birthday is April 12th. And Greta Gerwig has said she really brought a lot to Lady Bird with her own spin on it. She said uh, Saoirse made it funnier and more heartbreaking. So there's an Aries contribution there. Well, and obviously <laughs> they're like... They're creative soul sisters. In yes, ways that, you know. Yes. I mean, they've now gone. But they're off. almost doppelgangers. Not like as yeah. we talk about in Dead to Me. Not like these partners. They're almost like the same person. Yeah, like play always playing the same person. That's true. Right? That's true. Right. Right. So, Lady Bird as a complicated. I think we have to call her a complicated young woman here. Yeah. She's seventeen. Turns eighteen during the movie. Um, Though. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought before yeah. this, is this our first teenager? But then I forgot yep. about Marianne from Normal People. Yeah. Yeah. So Marianne. did we call her a young woman? But yeah, it's a similar vintage. Well, I'm, I was thinking about underage. You're you right. Know, before you're an adult. 18 right. is still a teenager, but you're an adult. So I think she's really an adult for almost all, if not all of that book, because it starts in her senior year. You're right. You're right. And then and they go off to college. And then goes, right, and then goes through college. So. so this is really, this is our true teen. Yes, yes. A complicated young woman. Lady Bird, uh, I used some words to describe her. I thought she's excitable. She's eager to live and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. She learns by experiencing. She's willing to take risks, dive right into the deep end kind of girl. Absolutely. She is impossible to control. <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Impossible to control. She lives a lot in the future. She's always, yeah, yes. and this is part of just being, I think, 17 or your senior year in high school. She can't wait to get to some future point, which she's already created some whole fantasy in her mind. She's unapologetically herself as we see when she defends her greatest hits collections when she's in college. Yes. She They're the greatest. Yes, that's right. (laughs) What's wrong with that? She notices hypocrisy or things that don't make sense, like going from one parking lot to another. (laughs) But she sort of still goes with it. She doesn't have to reconcile it. Or another one is when she calls, she's like, you call each other by the names your parents made up, but you don't believe in God. Like, what's what's going on there? Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to reconcile them. And that, I think, is a really high-level complicated woman. I had a few other words. Uh, Dramatic 
<laughs> yes. Not just yes. in the play, but just the way she lives her life. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that she's named herself Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's like, it's my given name. I gave it to myself. It's yeah, a name given, given to me by me. <laughs> exactly. I that, love that. That audition yes. that she does. I mean, but yep. she's, again, that was intentionally in a dramatic, you know, uh, play. But this mm-hmm. is, she's just so dramatic. Oh, but yeah. But that's so her. Teenage. Yeah. So her. Typical of a teenager, but I think more so, uh, yes. you know, with her. She can be really selfish is another mm. word I'd written down. Sure. She can be cruel, really, mm. really cruel at times, but also have a lot of empathy. There's a, a, a scene or a few things I'll probably talk about about that, but I, I think she's just so unique. I love her. I think yes. she's, she's for... She's very for, unique. Right. And for a teenage character in a movie, I know that Greta Gerwig really tried hard to make sure that she was... Uh, imperfect and flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, she spoke a lot about how she felt like there were so many movies where teenage girls are just so they have to be perfect and they're not allowed to make mm-hmm. mistakes. And in a culture, we want these girls to you know not even have a pimple. They're they're just supposed to yeah. look nice. And she purposely wanted her to you know have that the pink hair. And she said, for example, she asked Sersha to just do it herself in the sink. She (laughs) wanted it to look like that. She's like, I don't want her to be pretty and perfect because I'm trying to show how she's flawed. And, Mm -hmm. and I thought that that was, that was really cool. Yeah. And I love how unique she is, but also incredibly relatable. Mm -hmm. That's a hard balance to strike. Very. So I give a, a lot of credit there. A lot of this movie really focuses on the relationship or a lot of the conflict in the movie focuses on the conflict mm-hmm. between Lady Bird and her mother yes. played by the incredible Laurie Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf. Right? so good in this yeah. yes yeah yeah and we were texting about this because I had said that I thought maybe we should cover both Marion and Lady Bird the same and 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 you asked me, and I, I thought about it since, and whether I thought this was just as much a story about her, whether mm-hmm. this was just as much the her story, yeah, the right. mother. And I don't I don't know if that I would say that, but I I think it's more that you can't discuss, or at least I feel like I can't discuss Lady Bird without discussing who her mother is and how they relate. So Marion is a harried, sort of overworked psychiatric nurse. She's trying to keep Lady Bird at home in California. She wants her to go to a state school, uh, largely for financial reasons. Exactly. Yeah. She's always the bad cop to Lady Bird's father, who always gets mm-hmm. to be the good cop. Uh, she's yes. desperate for Lady Bird to achieve success. And I, I put that in air quotes because uh, mm. it's sort of her definition of what success is, which is, I think to her, is some sort of steadiness or stability in yes. life. You know, have yes. the nice house and the stable job. And, you know, really they just want more. She wants more for Lady Bird than she has. Mm. And, you know, one of the rituals they have is to go look at fancy houses on the on the nice side of town. And and that's just another example of her hoping her daughter will, will have a better life than her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think she's very complex, Marion. Um, she's harsh and confrontational with Lady Bird. Yet mm-hmm. then you see how sweet and and 
she is at work. You know, she's a caregiver who mm-hmm. really at work with her coworkers and patients has such empathy and kindness towards them. So there is this softer side to her. Yeah. So she's she's very layered, I would say. And yeah, I mean, Danny yeah. says it the best. She's yeah. she's scary and warm. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm kind of yeah. scared of her. <laughs> yeah. And again, Greta Gerwig says that that she felt like mothers were just too often portrayed in movies as angels or devils and she mm-hmm. strived to make something that was more nuanced you know that there are yeah. a lot of moms who are just trying really hard to get it right but they make mistakes and they're doing the best they can and yeah. I think she did that well I do too and I like how she brought in her job as the place where she is really the nurturing space because it's not at home, right? It's not really. There are there are flashes, there are moments, but where we see that layeredness is by bringing in her job as a nurse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, it really is about their relationship. And I think the interesting thing to me is is how much capacity they have to wound each other just repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But but I always felt like it was because they were so connected and and for me very similar and I think that's why they're so able to hurt each other in the ways that they do just in that right spot you know because yeah I don't know you did yeah you you had texted me that Mm -hmm. and I don't see the similarity I do know that they're super connected and when you're really connected with someone you know their buttons and you know how to destroy them in in, very efficiently um so I definitely saw that but I'm interested to see hear the similarities yeah so I to me the the opening scene of the movie is them them facing each other like almost like two halves of the same whole and I did not think that was accidental Mm. I thought Greta Gerwig chose to open the movie with that image because it shows really that they are two halves of, of the same and that that's oh, what I this see. was going to be it. about. And uh, I saw it as a face-off. Ah, like, it, well, like, it's funny because I did hear her in a podcast say it is the only when they're unconscious or asleep, you know, <laughs> facing <laughs> each other, are they not fighting? So you're right. <laughs> and, and then the minute their eyes open, it's like yeah. war starts. Yes, um, yes, yes. I guess the other place... I saw it too was there's that scene outside of the coffee shop where Danny comes to see Lady Bird and now she knows that he's he's gay and they've broken up and she's all pissed and at him but then he breaks down you know because he's he's so embarrassed and ashamed and I you know and he needs a friend in that moment and she suddenly gets outside of her own head and realizes that he needs her. And she's very empathetic, Lady Bird, in that scene. Mm-hmm. And she's really kind to him and really sweet. And then it cuts immediately to her mother. The very next scene is her mother with the priest. Priest. And right. he's in need. And she's saying some very similar words to him, like, don't worry, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. I won't tell anyone. And mm-hmm. I thought they were juxtaposed like that so yeah. that you could see that even though they're often you know warring with each other that each yeah. of them can be really empathetic kind people with others and that mm. they just somehow keep missing each other yeah and they can't give it to each other but that they both have yeah. that within themselves yeah yeah so yeah. i think i mean it's such a great depiction though of mothers and daughters that oh. was actually apparently supposed to be the name that was the working title 
of with mothers and daughters. With mothers and daughters. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But it is Lady Bird's story. But it is. Well, why don't we talk about? So, do we want to talk about that first scene a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. The we'll opening. Go, scene. Jump right into scenes. Yeah. Yes. So after that, just still image you see, like I said, of them looking at each other. Then it, then their eyes are open and their mouths are going, and they're <laughs> then the combat starts, and yep. they're on a they're on a car ride back from from college tours. And even that, you know, they're both crying because they've been listening yes. to twenty two hours of the grapes of wrath. Grapes of wrath. Yes. So again, I was like, oh, see, they're very similar. Look at that; they both like mm. it. And then they start fighting. And the yeah. thing I love about this scene. Besides just the brilliant, like, sharp dialogue and rapid fire that they do, it is just in in probably two minutes you learn everything you need to know, really. It's such a great setup. And that's why I love this scene. I mean, you've learned, first of all, that she desperately wants out of California, Lady Bird, Mm -hmm. as you said, and specifically out of Sacramento. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you think I look like I'm from Sacramento? Her mother's (laughs) like, you are from Sacramento. (laughs) Uh, you you know that she's named herself Lady Bird yes. and insists that her family call her that, which so already off the bat, this is a an, a unique headstrong headstrong child yes, who's like, yes. call me Lady Bird. Uh, you yes. know that the family is having financial issues. That she's mm-hmm. made it clear that they can't afford anything but state tuition, and you know look, you know that her father's company is laying people off, and that that's going to be a big issue for them. You know she has a brother. Uh, who's graduated Berkeley and is working at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. She gets in the fact that she attends a Catholic high school that she clearly, Lady Bird, did not want to go to, and that was her mother's idea. Yeah. And, of course, right off the bat in this scene, you you start to see their complicated relationship. Um, <laughs> and it's just, I mean, and how dramatic, again, how dramatic Lady Bird is. I wish I could right. live through something. And her yeah. mother's like, aren't you? She's like, well, oh, and then her mother, yours is the worst life of all, boo-hoo, you know, and then she can be pretty, pretty mean to Lady Bird, you know, like, right? You should just go to jail. No, you should just go to City College, then jail, then back to City College. Then back to City College. And then the scene ends as if we don't have enough of a taste of who Lady Bird is. She throws herself out of a moving vehicle. Just so good. Opens the door. And is out. At that point, I was like, holy shit. Exactly. Oh, such a perfect scene, right? And then it cuts right to her with a cast on her broken (laughs) wrist or arm or whatever. I agree. That scene is just so perfect. It shows everything you need to know. It sets up the whole conflict. And compare that to the end when she's, by the end, she's calling herself Christine. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how she appreciates her mother and how she appreciates Sacramento. I mean, it's just, it sets up the ending and the arc of where this character is going to go. And it's so perfect. So good. Again, you know how I project into these things. But I see Lady Bird and her mother as so incredibly different so different that they can't relate to each other on any level but that they in that weird way that you cannot explain you just love each other and you love each other the way family loves each other and that's the bond that holds them but they don't understand each other certainly not at this point in time they don't understand each other at all yeah it's funny because Greta Gerwig does say that she thinks the reason there's so much conflict is because the mother and the daughter they're are similar. essentially the same. She says they're it's built so the funny. same way. 
And that's why this bond is so conflicted. Like the very thing that annoys you about yourself annoys you about them too. But I can see what you're saying too. I mean. Yeah. And that's just one of those things you might be too close to, right? I'm sure an outsider might think me and my mother are exactly the same person. But meanwhile, when you're in it with that person, you're like, you're so different from me. But I'm sure to the outside, um, we probably look we we check so many of the same boxes. Present so but many. I mean, so yes, a lot, a lot of our scenes revolve around Lady Bird and her mother. But I wanted to add one in that goes in a different direction. Lady Bird is clearly a coming of age story in the very traditional sense of breaking away from childhood and into some sort of level of knowledge and competency as an adult. But it is also very clearly a journey through Lady Bird's sexuality. Yeah, and there are quite a few sort of quintessential scenes that that mark the arc of her sexuality. So we start with masturbation. Lady Bird and Julie are <laughs> ridiculously snacking on the unconsecrated wafers, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're talking about running water in the bathtub and stimulating themselves that way. Lady Bird says she thinks it will be more intense with a penis in there. Well, Julie's like, mine was intense enough. I don't know what your deal is. So it's like, (laughs) it's not just that they do it. They even talk about it and whether it was good enough or not good enough. But again, they don't go into it so deeply or graphically. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just perfect. It's It's great teenage banter. Yes. And it's hard to write, I think. And then we see Lady Bird scream with elation in the dark street after she's kissed Danny for the first time. I thought that's an otherwise very typical male scene. I can picture Tom Cruise doing it or certainly someone in one of the men in a John Hughes movie or even Ferris Bueller. But here Greta gives it to Lady Bird and I just loved it. It's felt very true for me to that excitement and... I don't know, that that girls can feel that way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then we see her telling Danny that he can touch her boobs. Now, of course, <laughs> we know that that's complicated right. the way it shakes out, but it's just like, a, okay, we can go to the next step now, right? <laughs> right. Which is, again, very high school. Mm-hmm. We see her really going at it with Kyle, escalating with intimacy, but not having sex. And then finally, of course, we see her lose her virginity to him in a, in kind of a very awkward and devastating scene. Where she gets is, a nosebleed. Yes, right she gets after a, she's done. <laughs> that's right. She gets a nosebleed Talk and then awkward. ruins her fantasy, which uh-huh. again, like I said in the beginning, she lives in this fantasy world where she was like, oh, we deflowered each other. Like, like That was part of the really important part of the narrative for her. And then it when was. it wasn't true, it was devastating to her. Right. And including how about how she's like, who has sex for the first time on top? Because again, yeah. in her mind, she yeah. was making her first time even cooler because yeah. she was on yeah. top. And then we have that really sweet moment at the end when she goes out to her mom's car and oh, yeah. she cries and her mom just like lets her and she puts her head on her shoulder. So that was a nice tender moment between them. Again, nothing in this movie is overdone. It's yeah. not explained. It's not talked out. It's just really special moments, tender moments or devastating moments. But she keeps them very simple. And then when Julie asks about her losing her virginity on the bridge after prom, Lady Bird admits, I really like dry humping more. I love that. I love that. Right? I love that. First of all, when was the last time you heard or thought about dry humping? Dry humping. I know. I mean, it's a terrible term, but it defines high school. Yes. It's a a lot 
of that goes on and in high school. And she's right because dry humping could go on presumably yeah, for longer exactly. than the five seconds it took that joker. Exactly. For- yeah, guys last longer and work harder. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's. I don't blame right. her. She's completely yes. right. Oh my god! And how you lose sight of that, and how. I mean, where is that scene in any movie? That should be a quintessential scene in every coming-of-age movie, and I've never even seen it before. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And she was really yeah. trying to make one of the classic coming-of-age, teenage angst kind of movies. She's a huge fan yeah. of those, like Pretty in Pink and mm-hmm. Clueless. And she's, yeah. she often cites like her favorites, and I think she's you know, definitely created one herself here yeah oh i everything she was trying to emulate i think i put it above it because but the again what i wanted to point out in this part was saying in a lot of those coming of age movies the girl starts a virgin and then ends not a virgin which is also the case with lady bird but there's so much more nuance there's so much more texture and color in between we see so many more steps it's not just like from it's not black and white. It's not virgin, not virgin. There's so much in between and we get to talk about it and hear about it and experience it. And that is just so rare. And just, I thought it was great. I I, I feel like that should be in every movie. You're those absolutely right. steps. Yeah. There's so much intimacy in between. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, especially in high school, but really even in a relationship when you're starting out, you don't have sex the very first time that you hook up she really highlighted the good exciting heart-pounding intimacy that exists between kissing and having sex yeah and I that's hard to do yeah it's amazing it shouldn't be but I love it shouldn't be you're right but I don't know I but to me it does seem like it is and that maybe because there's just so many examples of how it's not done well that when you see it here you're like yes Yes. This yes. is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even this the, is even how we sort want of it. the teenage friendship too, kind of along mm. the same lines. Not just the the relation, romantic relationships. I think she really mm-hmm. nails the friendship with Julie too. Oh, yeah. Beautifully. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's so great too. She is. And she no is. one knew her then. I mean, that this no. was really her breakout role. Yeah. Are we back to mother daughter drama? Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Mom I mean, drama. there's no way around it. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there are so many scenes between them that that we could talk about. And like you said, so many of our favorites involved the two of them. But I thought the prom dress shopping scene was particularly I love painful this one too. Yes. and relatable yes, and just exactly. really captured their mother-daughter dynamic so yes. well. You know, so she's trying on these dresses and she's coming in and out of the dressing room, Lady Bird, and her mother just stays stationary outside of it. So, you know, so some of the scene and some of the dialogue is Lady Bird inside the dressing room and some of it, you know, she's coming out when she's got a new dress on and one's too tight and she's annoyed, you know, like... I shouldn't mm-hmm. even say like a teenager. Everybody gets, you know, oh, I hate trying, I'm like, everybody gets annoyed it. when you try it on it. and you don't think it fits well. Yeah. But, you know, then her mother says, I told you not to eat that second helping of pasta. And she's like, mom, you're going to give me an eating disorder. And then she's like, I wish I could get an eating disorder. <laughs> but anyway, she comes out with another one. And, and she's just like, why can't you say I look nice? And her mom's like, I thought you didn't even care what I think. And she's like, I still want you to say I look good. She's like, I'm sorry. I was telling you the truth. You want me to lie? Yeah. And there's just this fine line between, mm-hmm. for her mother, between being critical and being helpful. And she thinks she's straddling it 
I think. Mm. But to Lady Bird, every criticism is like a stab in the heart, you know, and mm. like an attack on her from which you feel like she can't recover. I mean, really, mm. her mom's words just, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, there's just something about family in particular yes. that can really get to you. And yeah. they're both kind of wrong in this scene. And that's <laughs> yes. what I love about her script, right? Because both yes. characters ca- characters can be wrong without us, the viewers, losing affection for either one of them, which yeah. is what she does so brilliantly. Because there's so many times throughout where I'm like, well, you're being an asshole, Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. And then her mom, I'm like, well, geez, that's a little harsh. But, yep. and then, but then the next minute you see, you really see something sweet between them or you just like them for other reasons and it just goes back and forth for me and yeah and they just keep trying and that's just heartwarming I know and then she says I just wish you liked me Lady Bird Mm -hmm. says to her mom and of course her mother says of course I love you which Mm -hmm. she says but Mm -hmm. do you like me Mm -hmm. and you know, her mom gives sort of a mom answer. I, I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be, which, of course, is not a good answer because no. she just wants her to say, I do like you. But the, so instead, Lady Bird says, what if this is the best version? Yeah. And Marion just sort of, you know, looks off. You know, yeah. she doesn't she can't say it. It's it's. Yeah heartbreaking and heartfelt and like that their entire relationship is sort of captured in that look you know she they just can't connect and she doesn't know what to say back even though as the viewer you're like just say you like her just say it but she can't yeah no I understand I was not saying I was not thinking just say it back I know because that wouldn't have been uh, that wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have been in character for but I do think there are people who can Uh, I I I couldn't either, and I don't think these two, that wouldn't have fit with them, but... Yeah, yeah. You want her to throw her a little bone, maybe. Oh, definitely, yes. No, put her own spin on it. But I think she would have just gotten it wrong anyway. (laughs) Right, the same way when she says, I do love you. Well, that's not what she said. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. But she was trying to throw her a bone, right? Mm Mm-hmm, she was, she was. In that scene when she's like, is it a little pink? Of course, that's the one she picks. And <laughs> yes. which reminds me of my, my, my mother hated the color pink. And I really probably was obsessed with it because of that. Because of that. I had internalized it. I mean, my wedding dress even had a pink sash. Yes. And I know that it was like such a probably subconscious battle between my mother and I. And I was like, it's, it's something different. It's something unique. And I, it's just so fraught. The whole thing is just so fraught. And I'm like, of course it's pink. <laughs> yes. And I mean, how many times did you growing up like come out wearing an outfit or or come down the stairs or come out of a changing room? And I don't know about you, but like my mother, one look, I, I knew mm-hmm. how she felt about the outfit. Yeah. She, she didn't even have to say anything. I was like, she hates it. See, I mean, my mother pink, never really. c- makes comments or made no, comments about Not about my clothes. Or what about no, my hair. My, my hair. hair. I got hair yeah. too. Oh yeah. I got. Hair. Are you gonna Are you gonna put some lipstick on? She still says oh, that yeah. to me. I'm like, well, yeah. Why? Oh, no reason. <laughs> yeah, I got that more from my grandmother. Oh, that okay. stuff, like my clothes, my all of that. But my mom, yeah. it was just pink, and it was my hair because my mom has this thick, pin straight hair, and I have wavy, frizzy, crazy hair. And she would always be like, "What? What do you do? What do you do with that? Like." Can you do something with that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, but, yeah. you've heard the story about when I won 
Crane's 40 Under 40, and I called to tell my mother about this big honor, and I said, and it's really exciting. They're going to write an article about me, and there's going to be a photo shoot. And Mm -hmm. literally, the first thing she says back is, oh, are you going to leave your hair like that? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> that where, was, where was the congratulations? Yes, no. that so would exa- that would be exactly your... my mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to, my mother would be like, what are you going to wear and what are you going to do with your hair and who's doing your makeup? Yes, yes, exactly. So we've all been there. <laughs> Which is what the underlying message is because yeah. you aren't capable of doing yes. any of those things. And because your hair looks like yes. shit. So you better do something about that for your Even when it's shoot. the best. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we've bashed mothers enough. Yeah. That brings me to our last scene, which is when she leaves for college and for New York City when Lady Bird leaves. So there's really almost no dialogue in this scene. It Mm -hmm. starts with her getting that thick yellow envelope, getting into college off the wait list. And we know she's going to move to New York and her mother, then we cut to her mother trying to write her a letter on this yellow legal pad. Then we cut to Lady Bird painting her room from that disgusting pink to white. Mm -hmm. And the song, uh, this eve of parting is playing sort of very wistful. And then she goes to New York and a a few crazy things happen. She gets really drunk. She wakes up in a hospital Mm -hmm. and then goes to church and then calls home. And she calls home and she says, hi, mom and dad. It's Christine. That's the name you gave me. It's a good one. I'm like, oh, that that. was just so sweet, right? And then she goes on to say that this is really for her, this part's for her mom. Hey, mom, did you feel emotional the first time you drove in Sacramento? I did. And I wanted to tell you, but we weren't really talking when it happened. All the bends I've known my whole life. And then here we sort of think back to when the nun, mm-hmm. Sister Sarah Jones, right, yeah. is, reads Lady Bird's college essay, and she says how clear it is how much Lady Bird loves Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we know Lady Bird hates Sacramento or thinks she does, and she insists that it's just because she pays attention. Right. And, and Sister Sarah Jones asks her, don't you think she they're the same, the same thing? thing? Yeah, love and attention. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, we know that Lady Bird's not convinced because she does not love Sacramento in her mind. But they're standing in New York City calling home on the phone that's supposed to only be used for emergency purposes. We really know she gets it, that paying attention is the most generous form of love. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't clear, Lady Bird goes on to actually say those words. She says into the recording, I wanted to tell you that I love you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's... It's a great ending. Oh, it's such a great ending. Such a bittersweet, but it leaves you with so much hope, right? And Mm -hmm. and it sort of erases everything before it, all of the the fights and the pettiness and the cattiness between them. It kind of melts away in that moment where you realize, okay, she has come of age. She has realized. She's grown, yeah. Yeah, and that exactly happened to me. I, my senior year, I was such a bratty asshole to my parents. Kate, I literally wrote on my door lyrics to a Guns N' Roses song, You Could Be Mine. And the lyrics are, when I come home late at night, don't ask me where I've been. Just count your stars. I'm home again. I mean, what an asshole. What an asshole I was. That's great. I, I was such an asshole. But then I swear to you. 
a couple months into college, I mean, it didn't even take, it was maybe weeks. I was buying every Hallmark card in the college bookstore and mailing them to my parents and writing my dad separate ones, my mom separate ones. I mean, I was just like, you guys have been the best. You take such good care of me. I love you so much. As a parent, that thank you that she leaves on the recording and your cards. That's all. It it erases every fight, every everything. I think as a parent, that's all they want to hear, right? That time between senior year of high school and freshman year of college, it's just so black and white. It's so, it's the worst it could be. And then it's the best it can be. Because, you know, I didn't keep doing that sophomore year, junior year, senior year of college, right? right? It really is that, that very quick snap back boomerang comeuppance for parents yes yes and, <laughs> and you know, i know oh, i was ahead. terrible yeah greta gets asked that a lot in interviews because so much of the movie is semi-autobiographical she is from sacramento and she did go to an all-girls catholic school and things so people naturally ask her you know were you like ladybird and she actually says no not at all that she never really rebelled she never had one of these, you know, she didn't write the Guns N' Roses lyrics on the door. Oh she was God. a very rule-following kind of a kid. She said a real people pleaser and that she wrote Lady Bird as a way to explore something that wasn't accessible to her at the time. Mm. And mm. that made me think of how we talked about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, wrote Fleabag so she yes. would become her. And Liz yes. Feldman writing Jen yes. to almost become Jen and find yes. more anger in her and that... For Greta, it was, you know, she wrote this kind of teenage angst coming of age story that she didn't really have um, as a way to kind of try it out, I feel like, to access it. And I thought that was that was very cool. The other thing about that scene you just talked about that I thought was so interesting and something I read or an interview I heard with Greta is that that scene where she's sitting with the guy she meets at college where she, before she gets wasted yeah and he asks yep. where she's from and she lies and says she's from san francisco, san francisco. Mm-hmm. she said that was the first line or that she wrote of this whole movie did you read oh, this interesting yeah no, no. that people ask her a lot as they ask all you know writers you know do you write an outline like how did you come up with this idea and all that and she said she gets like a line or a kernel of an idea and just sort of follows the thread. And for Lady Bird, it was that. She could see her saying to some guy, basically that lying about where she's from. And she said, and then I I wanted to reverse engineer it from there. And that what oh, if she says that. what if she says that line and the audience already knows the people and the places that she's selling out just to look ten percent cooler to some guy she just met. Mm-hmm. Like wouldn't that be funny? And also like a gut punch. Yeah. And so oh, from just that. that little nugget came the entire story. Oh, I love that. And I love that she reverse engineered it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your damage? Uh, let's go to damage. <laughs> I Though so no, we've covered I, some damage. <laughs> we have covered some of it. But honestly, this is maybe lame, but I was way too close to Lady Bird <laughs> to oh. be able to unpack her damage. I went to Catholic school, not through high school, Mm -hmm. but elementary school. I didn't get my driver's license till senior year. My mother is warm, but scary. Mm -hmm. I lost my virginity to my boyfriend, whom I knew was a virgin and was a big part of my narrative. Mm -hmm. And then after I found out that he had had sex with one of my friends a month before (gasps) we had had sex, 
while I was in Puerto Rico visiting my grandmother because he didn't want to be inexperienced for me. Ruined my whole net. Yes. Yes. What? Yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I I mean, I never knew this story. Why would I know this story? But (laughs) I do not like this story. No. It's not a good story, as hers isn't good either. You well, found I out mean, after. Oh. Yeah. And by the way, also, yeah, no, total. Yeah, we could go. My eyes are really though. wide. You can't see them, but yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. But so I was thinking that's not a huge part of that story, but that will live with her for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And my guidance counselor did not laugh at me when I told her where I wanted to go to college, but... I might have been better because instead she just took the list that I had handed her and was like, these are the schools I want to go to. And she threw them in her garbage and was like, what? now let's write, let's write a, uh, a list that might be possible. And oh. then she wrote down, yeah, some lower tiered schools. That to me, it's funny. Please the tell Virginia, me Boston College wasn't in the lower tier schools. <laughs> it was not. No, oh, it God. was not. I mean, I went to a school, I went to a high school where most people went on to full-time employment or community college. Boston College was insane to right. to anyone at that school. It was actually that, unlike the virginity, which turned around, does not turn around immediately. This turned around immediately for me because when she did that, I walked out of her office and I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Whatever I want to do, I'm going to make it happen. And the funny thing is, I, like Ladybird, I had strong SATs, but I had a shit GPA and, and no extracurriculars no one was helping anyone in high school prepare for college so I had nothing but when I realized this this was early in my senior year I busted my ass senior year and when most people are slacking most people start slacking off so my class rank and my GPA grew exponentially because as everyone was dropping I moved up a little and I ended up getting waitlisted Boston College was my top choice my mother's top choice was Wellesley I oh, actually geez. got waitlisted at both of them. Best schools by far I was applying to because I really, you know, I was supposed to go to a much lesser school because of the way I had not prepared myself. Now, I knew I could do it. Of course. But high school had not prepared me for it. So right. I got waitlisted and I had that same moment where she's in the grass and she gets that mail and it's that thick packet and it's in the summertime and everyone already thinks they know where they're going. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Yes. It was so. I so, never knew that story yes, either, Corinne. Yes. And then I find you a <laughs> yes, month later on very to That's Boston right. College, not That's knowing right. any of this background That's- information. That's right. Or the fact that I was the polar opposite student on the yes. other fork of Long Island having a completely different high different school experience. experience. Yes. Very yes. unlike Ladybirds. So I had a hard time with her damage because I'm like, mm-hmm. whatever you're yeah. going to say about her damage, it's so me. And I like, I don't even know if I can go there. <laughs> it's just so many. All of the things that fucked her up fucked me up. Yeah. And like... I. But I'm almost going to, what I was going to say is I'm not so yeah. sure that she's damaged. Just like, I don't Aww. know that you were. I Aww. think it's, I really don't. I think it's typical. She has some, some typical teenage angst and yes. she, she's got a desire for something more to escape, you know, her, her town and her surroundings. She wants yeah. something better, which I don't yes. think is, is damage. I mean, maybe sometimes, you know, when she tries to fit in with the cool kids and ditches Julie, some of her upward mobility yeah. uh, cravings get a little assholey. But but yeah. just generally, the bigger picture of like wanting to get out of Sacramento and go to New York, where culture is, and 
I, I don't, I don't know. I think she was just, you know, trying to fit in, trying to find yes. love, trying to be cool, yes. trying to have more. Those are yeah. all. I don't think really damaged is what I yeah. would say. No, right? that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think again. And that's why I can't, because I can't not project all of the trauma that that brings with it. True. Like the, all of that time of not fitting in and, and no, that right. that story, like the stories she'll have to carry with her forever. No, you're right. You're right. But but you're right. No, as she's, she is much more of a typical high school um, trying to figure, trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know exactly what Greta Gerwig was like in high school, but I have a feeling I was more Greta, uh, yeah, that, based than, on what than she Lady read. Bird. Than Lady Bird, yeah, right. the total yeah. people pleaser, overachiever, wanting to do, yeah, yeah no yeah. rebel streak yeah. in her whatsoever. Rule follower, yeah. which quite frankly, I think is maybe a little damaging too. So I'm sure, uh, oh, I, it, yeah. So everything brings yeah. its damage. Everything. Putting what did your, we say? Oh, yeah. the damage is just the like the good stuff. That's you know, yeah, who you are. It's your complication. It's your layers and yeah. Now yeah. her mother, I think, has some legitimate damage. I mean, I guess you don't mm. hear much about it, but she does make that reference to having an alcoholic and abusive mother mm-hmm. of her own yes. she yes. clearly has suffered a lot of financial stress which i think is is damaging to the yes. family and i mean and there's really stressful work environment it's got to be really emotionally draining to Ugh. do what she does so yeah her mom i feel the weight of the, of her damage coming through a bit more maybe because she's also an adult now and i i cut ladybird some slack as a teenager of just trying to figure things out yeah, I think that I guess is. everybody is, right? So, including her mom. And then you look at Miguel's girlfriend who who sees the mother as such a wonderful person and you know Shelley. she said your mom yeah, Shelly's like your yeah. mom's amazing. I admire her. She took me in and yeah. so it's all who you're talking to as well. It is. Okay. So what she said? What she said with our Leo for what she said, I know we focus on first-person quotes, but I really could not ignore – I did a lot of reading for Greta. It's funny because sometimes when I do research for this segment, mostly I do a lot of podcasts, and for this one I didn't. I did a lot of reading. And every journalist – and I read pieces from Oprah, Vanity Fair, The Hollywood Reporter, not just one type of piece – but almost every one of them was drawn to describing the paradoxical nature of Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. How she's deep and serious, but then they always note her sort of screwball physical comedy, waving mm-hmm. her hands, gesticulating wildly. Um, one said she's earnest and intense, but yeah. also playful. Mm. And they also can't help but point out career-wise that she refuses to be put in a one box. She right. broke onto the scene with Lady Bird, mm-hmm. this modern coming of age story. And then she did Little Women, which is mm-hmm. a period movie based on the classic book published in 1868. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her next project, Kate, do you know Ooh, her next project? No. You're going to die. It? It's a live action Barbie movie. I'm not kidding. She's, she's co-writing it and she may direct it. Margot Robbie is going to be Barbie. <laughs> Oh I my mean, gosh! Yes, this yeah. is gonna, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm serious. So, with that cast and that 
and her behind it? I think it is, but I have no idea what I can't no, even. I have no it. idea either. But I'm 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 in. But you're right. right. Talk about a departure. But there is no departure because the point is, you're right. The, she's she she's refuses not to in be a box. Put in a box. She's also been linked to and possibly is an inspiration for one of pop fiction women's darlings, Sally Rooney. In Sally Rooney's debut, Conversation with Friends, she actually writes, We were eating Chinese food from paper boxes at the time, sitting on my sofa and half watching a Greta Gerwig film. Oh my God, I I can't believe you found a link between Sally Rooney and Greta Gerwig that I did not read about. I love that. They went on to say Greta Gerwig writes and plays heroines recognizable to a segment of the first wave of millennials, earnest and sentimental and unafraid of their self-doubt and neediness, which I think um, nails the appeal of both Sally Rooney and Greta Gerwig. You're um, right. Yeah. yeah for me and for so many. a decade younger than her. Is she? Isn't Sally Rooney 1990? So that would be seven years. Oh, maybe. okay. Yeah. But anyway, so what yeah. she said is really about first-person quotes. So I'll get to the one I picked for the segment. I listened to Greta on a podcast, even though I said I did a lot of reading, what I took from it. It was always, it's always in their voice that has such an impact on me. Yeah. And she talked about the long road to making Lady Bird. Mm -hmm. And she said she wrote the big, messy version of the screenplay in 2013. She edited it and pounded it into shape in 2014. She started raising money in 2015, shot it over two... Six weeks in 2016, Mm -hmm. she went to the film festivals in 2017, and then theatrical release date at the very end of 2017 and also in other places in early 2018. Mm -hmm. So that's five years for essentially 90 Mm -hmm. minutes of work. What's the final product? And the interviewer was kind of like, whoa. But she said she never got discouraged, even when people were passing on the script. She kept moving forward. And this is the line I love. She says, I didn't see challenges as deviations from the path. I knew oh. it's just hard and stuff goes wrong and you get through it. And I didn't see wow. challenges as deviations from the path. I mean, that is so huge, right? Because yeah. that's the problem. We come to a challenge or an obstacle, like people passing on mm-hmm. her script, and you think to yourself, is this a sign? I should stop. I should yeah. drop out. This isn't right for me. And she didn't. She saw them just as challenges, but to not deviate from her path, that this is exactly where she wanted to get to with this, and she was going to do it. That's amazing to have that kind of faith in yourself and in what you've created. At any point, I'm sure there were so many deviations in that path, so many things thrown at her or chances where another person might go, you're right, that's it. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for yeah, her. Just, I mean, to spend those years working on it and then having people say, no, we don't want to finance this. I'm not interested. You yeah. Know? It's just like, okay, now I made the script and is anyone going to want this movie? And Yeah. And, you know, I, I listened to a podcast that was somewhat similar in that they asked her not just about the, getting it made, but as it got closer to getting made, someone said, well, you know, this is your first feature film, your female director, you know, it's kind of it's not like a blockbuster type movie you know it's about just this girl coming of age like what what if what if it fails like what are you gonna do then she's like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna make another one and they're like well what if but but they said but then it'll be a lot harder because if your first one fails who's gonna want to make your second she goes 
I don't know, but I'm going to make mm. another one. And then oh they're like, well, what? And she's like, and then I guess even if I can convince someone to make the second one, like basically long story short, it was like, I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah. Because this is this what, is what I'm wa- doing. What, what yeah. I'm doing. And this is what yeah. I want to do. Wow. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I usually do read more articles, but with her, I did listen to more podcasts. It's, but it's funny. My quote is from <laughs> from oh my gosh, something that's I read. It's so the opposite. funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. right? It's that very is. weird. And this was from an article in the Financial Times about two years ago. So it was. Oh, wow. Right. Interesting. It was right when the movie came out. And yeah, but the Financial Times. I know. I don't yeah. know why. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's funny, though. You were talking about how she doesn't want to be put in a box and yep. she does Lady Bird and she does a period piece and now she's doing a Barbie movie. But yeah, <laughs> my quote might answer why this isn't so they aren't so at odds because right I'm sure yeah she says I'm interested in young women I'm interested in middle-aged women I'm interested in women period maybe not now but for now and obviously this Barbie movie fits into it is as, as <laughs> for as long as this is means something to her she just is so drawn to stories about women of any age from any time and so for this one it was that she was just so interested in having uh, or making a nuanced young female character because she said like i said earlier that that's so rare in cinema she loves movies about mothers and daughters because she said she thinks those are often not done well because they're again two extremes and she wanted a more flawed layered picture of that relationship like she cited terms of endearment as one of her favorites she just wanted these people to be portrayed with as real human beings with real flaws and she said that the someone had asked her well why do you think there's such a need for that with respect to movies about women and she said she credited the paucity of these type of depictions with the lack of female writers and directors. And Mm -hmm. again, like we've been talking about, there's so many of these things that we've talked about in other episodes that a man just could not write because he's never experienced it. And she's clearly so drawn to that. And I'm not saying that female directors all have to write or make movies. uh, Female writers or directors have to have movies only about women. But for her personally, what she's saying is that's what she wants to do. That's what she's drawn to. And for now, those are the types of things she wants to make. And that's yeah. amazing for us because she'll keep giving yes. us material to discuss yeah. on the show. I mean, it's clear what she cares about and yeah. her common thread there. It's but they're all about yeah. women. Yes, that's right. And and get them really right. Get women mm. really right. I had one more little quote about that that I read that I could not pass up. And it's, of course, about astrology. So Greta has always felt a very strong kinship with Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women, and she's been obsessed with that book way before she did it. And at 36, she is the same age as the author was, as Alcott was, when the the novel was published. Mm -hmm. So she felt like really a strong bond there to do it at this time in her life. And she felt such a strong kinship and she wanted to do it right so much so that she had an astrologer come and compare their birth charts, oh. Greta's and and Alcott's. No way. Yes, she did. She, she went, that's pretty far. She went pretty that's, far. That's far. But she has- Not a bridge too far for me. I'm just saying. No, of course that's, not. That's pretty I'm, far. <laughs> I'm, fa- I'm fine with it. But that is 
really intense. That's just not about who's what sign you are. No, By the way, yeah. Lu- Louisa May Alcott, Sagittarius, fire oh sign, but a different kind of fire sign. Uh-huh. Anyway, Greta says, because so much of making art requires some amount of mysticism. So she is all in. I loved that. That's great. That is yes. so good. Yes. God, you've tied Greta to Sally Rooney. Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> this is this is some nice work here. Yeah, and and astrology. So of course, and is, out of her own mouth. I yes, know. I love it. Love it. Oh, Kate. Okay. Oh, geez. Pris- Where are you going to like ball. hit it out? Of, you're going to hit it out I, of the park with the crystal. I ball. don't know if I'm going to hit it out of the park, but I really went. I went crazy. Okay, so then let me go first because yours is good. Okay, good. Yours, yours okay. is better okay. and longer, I'm sure, mm. because, well, A, because you're better at it, but B, also, I don't know. This one, I wasn't seeing anything. And I okay. just, I was, but I have something, but I'm just saying, this okay. is what was going through my head. I, I was like, where would she be in yes. like 10 years? I mean, she would have graduated college. I could mm-hmm. see her in New York still. But yes. then I was so me drawn too. to. But what about Sacramento? Because you know, yes, of what, course, what, right? And her, yes, and clearly Kate, her you're, mother's. You're okay. on the right. But then I'm path. like, her mother's got to be involved in this because. Yes. So so then, in, and I guarantee this is all because she mentioned terms of endearment in that article oh. that I read, and I love terms of endearment, and okay. that is such a gut wrenching, beautiful mother daughter story. Mm. That then, that's what suddenly I had this really grim crystal ball, which was. Oh. That her mother is sick and yes. dying, yes. and she has to go back to Sacramento to help take care of her. So it was sort of like the reverse terms of endearment, because in that, yes. you know, the mom was taking care of her daughter who was dying. Yeah. And I can just see... So then, of course, I start Googling clips of terms of endearment, because I haven't seen uh-huh. it in so long. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, my... And then I'm bawling, by the way, of oh. course. <laughs> bawling. But... Oh my gosh, when the mom in that is running around, Deborah Winger is now really, really dying and and it's time for her morphine and, you know, her mom is running through the hospital screaming at every nurse like, it's time for her medicine, it's time for her medicine, you know, and she's like, like, so, you know, so aggressive and forceful on behalf of her daughter and I just Mm -hmm. pictured Lady Bird like running around screaming at nurses to get her mother help and oh yeah and and even in that one you know there's never any like sappiness where like they have this moment like you're dying we should say sorry for all these things it's still so real and relatable and Mm -hmm. i just but heartbreaking night somehow that's where i went in this crystal ball that marion was dying and that brought her back to Sacramento and back to I her could, mother. And yes, and she was fighting for her instead of with her. Really, it was sad. It was a sad yeah. crystal ball, but I yeah. it, it felt real to me. Yes. Oh, I, I, uh, Kate, that was great. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> yes, that was great. Completely on point. So yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about. I, I and I had to sort of run through all of it. In five years, she's out of college. She's definitely still in New York. And I had her really dedicated to being an actor. And Mm -hmm. she really thinks at this age, she should be in theater because that's what all the serious actors do. Even though she really wants people to see her work, she doesn't want to just be in a theater. She really wants her work to be disseminated to a wide audience. And that includes, you know, movie. That's more movie or TV kind of thing. 
but mm-hmm. she's got to go theater because that's what a serious actress does. She's struggling. She's living with a lot of random roommates eating packets of ramen, but she's still really excited about it all, right? There's that earnest and intense of Greta. I can see this, and this is, again, Lady Bird going on. But, mm-hmm. And she knows before she's even booked her first Broadway or off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway role that she knows actor is a first step. She wants to be one of the most in-demand storytellers running Hollywood. So very soon after this, this is five years after she graduates, she meets an older director who I'll call Matthew. So Matthew Matthew sweeps Christine off of her feet, but not in the way that older men usually dazzle younger women. It's not about expensive gifts or trips to the world's best cities. It's really about their minds. They connect intellectually. Mm -hmm. And the timing is just perfect because he is unraveling his entire life. He blew up his marriage to a powerful actress by having an affair with his personal assistant. while Christine is really just coming into her own. She knows what she wants in life and she's willing to put in the hard work to endure the pain to get it all. It kind of reminds him that you kind of have to do that even when you're more established and successful. So they really kind of feed off of each other. She will save him from the abyss of his midlife crisis and the cliche of his midlife crisis. And he will give her the stability of a veteran to lean on when she's, you know, struggling and wanting to give up. It's also a really ideal match of personalities because he takes himself way too seriously. And while she kind of is, when she sees it in him older, she's kind of like, come on, let's just be silly. And so she forces him to let loose a little and they really kind of vibe off of each other. She also wants him to make a movie. He's a indie movie guy serious movie guy so he's like come on do something that's commercial success you might get paid for it instead of dying on your indie film cross but then he pushes her too you're not just an actress it's not even about theater you're not just an actress write movies direct them you've got to get in front of people before you're ready so they this is a really great relationship but they keep it very private because they don't not because they're ashamed or they think there's anything wrong with it They do it because they really want the other one to shine. They don't want their work to be eclipsed by their relationship. So in Mm -hmm. public, they keep themselves totally separate. But in private, they are a team. They read every word the other one writes. They give notes Mm -hmm. on every frame of the movie. They're shooting and editing. They take every meeting together and talk about every bit of it. Until this is they what don't. I picture her and Noah Baumbach doing. But go of course, <laughs> of course. So until they don't. Yeah. So ten Uh-oh. years. Yeah, ten years later, both Matthew and Christine's movies have been nominated for all the Oscars. Oh, see, His, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Uh-huh. His movie wins Best Actor. Hers gets Best Actress. He wins Best Adapted Screenplay. She wins Best Original Screenplay. But neither one of them win director. And they're kind of mm. pissed. They're like, they would have rather one of them win than none. neither of them win. Right. So at the, the Oscars, their love story is now on the forefront. And that's what people really gl- glom on to. It's too unique and fascinating to not yeah. care about it. Um, forget about Yeah, forget about the golden statues. They're a golden couple. But after that night and they both lose, they really kick into high gear. They spend more time on projects, including having children. There's a lot more pressure on them. They spend less time together. They're on shoots far away. They're not comparing every note anymore. They're not showing each other every word anymore. It's hard to connect, and they drift apart. 
So now we're five years later. So this is 15 years wow. after the end of Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. So five years, two kids later, their careers are fading. Them at two tables at the Oscars, no one cares about it anymore. They're financially secure, mm-hmm. but they are not breaking through that level of success that they've both dreamt of. And it's frustrating. So they turn inward, they stop communicating, and resentments build. Christine, she's done. She wants out of the marriage. She takes the two kids back to Sacramento. Uh And they're all living in that little house with her parents. She's having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning, not unlike her own dad when he's depressed. So he really knows what she's going through. And one morning he comes to her and he gives her that yellow legal pad that her mom wrote to her on before she went to college 20 years ago. So at her father's insistence, because she's not interested, Christine tries to write letters to Matthew. And sometimes she says Uh things like, why couldn't you just have an affair so I'd have something to blame you for and hate you for? And sometimes she writes, why didn't I just have an affair so I could know what it's like to be wildly in love and I could write something amazing and get that Oscar? (laughs) In her more honest moments, she asks, when did we stop really talking? When did we stop sharing our fears and our dreams? And in her most honest moments, there's just a sheet of paper with I'm so lonely scratched deeply across all the lines. Oh but Christine God. crumples. Is this a marriage story, by the way? Do they write letters in a marriage story? I, didn't I don't know. I didn't, oh, I didn't, didn't see it either. either. Okay. No. Christine crumples up and throws away all of the letters that she writes. But her father, like he did with Christine's mother oh, back see, then, see. salvages all of these half-finished letters and mails them to Matthew. Matthew is so moved by her words that he writes a movie about it about them, about their whole relationship. And totally out of character, this is not a serious movie. It's a rom-com. And he's totally out of his comfort zone, but he feels like this is what this strong female lead and a bumbling idiot who needs to get his act together before Mm -hmm. he can win her back. So Matthew secretly plans to do the movie as a play in Sacramento. Christine's father, yes, Christine's father takes her to see it and her mom stays home and watches the kids. Christine watches the play, which really is not very good because it's thrown together quickly. It's got shitty props and it's cast with high school kids, right? Right. That's not the point. She slowly begins to recognize her life on the stage. And at the final scene, the lights come up in the theater and Matthew walks out onto the stage. He reads his big speech... The one where he admits what he did wrong and then gushes about everything he misses and loves about Christine. About her. Yes. But then he breaks character to tell her that he wrote this story for her, for them, but that he couldn't write the ending. That's not true, he says. I wrote an ending where the girl takes the guy back and they live happily ever after as a family. So I guess I could write the ending, but the truth is I didn't want to. I didn't want to write it alone. I didn't want to write it without you. I mean... Are you yeah. serious wait, wait, so, like, so Christine is in her seat, sitting next to her father, tears streaming down her face. And Matthew says, so tell me, Christine, how does it end? Because you get to decide. So she stands up from her seat like she doesn't trust her legs, right? She's shaking. She doesn't say a word. She wipes her tears and she shakes her head. And she makes her way to the aisle, bumping into everyone who's staring at her, knowing that this is about her. And then she stands there in the aisle and she looks up at Matthew, her lost husband, for a long moment. And then she turns and she walks away from the stage to the exit. A collective gasp comes from the theater. And from me. 
Yes, and Matthew's like, eyes <gasps> fill with tears. He looks down, defeated. It's I guess it's over. But Christine turns back as the door as she opens the door and she screams, "Come on, we have to go write that screenplay right now." Uh, okay. <laughs> so wait. So she waves him down. Matthew runs to her. They kiss in the doorway before heading off to write the movie, which of course they end up writing and rewriting the whole thing together. Two years later, they win the Oscar for Best Screenplay. They co-wrote it. And she wins for Best Director. The first woman, finally. And he's just beaming at her from their table. And that's their happily ever after. I mean, I was going to stop when when she turned and said, come on, we got to write the screenplay. I was going to stop you and say, yeah, come on, we need to write this. You've literally written like the best like synopsis of a book why don't we just write this book that are you kidding me that is a complete story beginning i was so into and it end. and it's i was like so into it a fantastically written story okay wait we just that was that was amazing why can't we just write that story like uh, right it's good I, it's really good it and, definitely has i as you and I'm so glad you sort of interjected in the beginning, it definitely came from the Noah yeah. Greta. But then I was like, well, then where do we go? Where does it fall apart? Because they're still very much in the good space. Yeah. And I was like, okay, where does this fall apart? And that, that's where the story really came alive for me. Right. Where does yeah. it fall apart? And then yeah. how do they get and then it put back? It, exactly. Put it back. And exactly. it did. And again, I didn't see Marriage Story. I only, it, but it had shades of that to me. But which yeah, is well, Noah Bombacks, which also exa- with Jennifer all, Jason Lee. Yeah, that that was about his marriage to Jennifer Jason Lee falling apart. Right, and they that's have what I'm one saying. son together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, but I'm saying you interwove like a lot of the real yes. life of Greta and yes. Noah. Or yes. what we think we know of it. I know yes, we don't of, know course. of course. And their work and what, oh my God. Yes. I love it. I was so fascinated. This is so good. I'm serious. <laughs> I understand it's not the point of this podcast, but why <laughs> offline? Can we just discuss how we could take that? Yes, and we will. make a little writing project out of it. We should discuss that. Yes. It's, it's a great story. Oh All right. My good. I love Holy it. Holy cow. Okay. Should, why didn't? Why wasn't crystal ball the end then? I mean, I know we got to do the takeaways. But we do. We I do. just like dropped the mic over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is over. Who cares about my takeaway? <laughs> Let's Good. go. Well, we right. gotta bring it. We gotta. Bring, yes, I love it. That's what I wanted. But we got it for the yeah for the audience. We got to bring it back to Greta. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, we'll bring oh it back. my god, I love it. Oh, good. So good. Yay. So good. Okay. All right. So takeaways. Well, I'll do my takeaway since you need to take a breath. From yes. Okay. Telling <laughs> Thank that amazing <laughs> tale. Oh my gosh. So my takeaway was that no matter where you go, where you grow up is always a part of you. And. <gasps> Right. Oh, I love that. And Kate, I feel like we just talked about that well, at our, no- at our non-work dinner. Okay, good. Well, that's good. exactly my point. Yeah. I feel as if this was just such kismet or something that we then yes. did this movie this week. And listen, for a lot of people, where you grew up is is leaves not just a part of you. I mean, it leaves an indelible mark. And clearly, yeah. for Greta Gerwig. It was Sacramento, and she said that this movie was a love letter to Sacramento mm-hmm. as seen through the eyes of someone who can't appreciate how beautiful it is until she's going away to somewhere else. Oh, and I, I think, love that. right, when you're a teenager, that's very common to want to escape where you come from, or at this, but at the same time, it's such a part of who you are. And I think as you get older, 
you sometimes view things a little differently. And for for me personally, as you know, I live in my hometown. And I was never a person, first of all, I was not a teenager who wanted to get out of here. I never had that. I liked where I grew up. I I don't think I thought either way. I mean, I knew I was always going to leave and go to college. I just don't think that it was such a yearning like it is for right. Lady Bird to just get out of here. And it is a small town. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But yeah. I think that I liked it, but I knew that, that this was this phase and then I was moving on right. to the other phase. Right, right. And but I so and then it was also never a conscious goal or priority of mine to come back to my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet I, here I am mm-hmm. at a great inconvenience, really, to my life because it's a <laughs> tremendous commute from my hometown to where yeah. to New York City. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I saw someone that knew me in college, and they said, "Oh, when they found out where I lived, they said, mm-hmm. oh, I always knew you'd move of course. Back there.'" Oh, and I wow. said, "Wait." why well because you loved it so much and i felt like the scene with the nun where yes, that you Lady described Bird. yes where she said with your your essay you had such detail and attention to yeah. sacramento and she's like what that's that's yeah. how i felt when that person said that that i really right. did i did i love it here so much right, right. and i tell everyone that the only reason we're here is because my husband liked it and wanted right. to live here which right. maybe is bs but I, Maybe, but anyway, we had this dinner then just this yes. recently mm-hmm. where you sort of pushed me a little bit on this and mm-hmm. why I live here and, and like a lot of things, I'm not sure I really consciously yeah. thought about it and what that might mean. And I don't know the answer. So my takeaway is a little bit of a question mark, but yeah. I loved that you pushed me to think about it more and yeah. then we do ladybird and this yeah. whole where you come from and where you live yeah. and where you grow up it, what it what it does to you it does it does and i actually think about that a lot yeah in raising my kids yeah cuz i'm like am i raising them in the place that wherever they are raised this is going to be a big part and mm-hmm. you know, we go back and forth between Manhattan and, and LA a little bit. And the last time we had the kids, we moved the kids to LA. And I was like, the whole time, I'm just like, what does a LA kid look like? Like, yeah, what is that yeah. going to be like? And what mm-hmm. what kind of mark is this leaving on them? I think I've done it. I think I've ruined them. But it's fine no. because it's the it's same adaptable. as me and my husband. We feel very, both me and my husband feel very torn between LA and New York and I think they will too. I think well, you're leaving out too that you have a house here in your hometown. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So you touch all the bases. And by the way, I would also blame my husband, even though it's kind of BS. At some point, I was like, I want to live there and raise my kids there. And then I was like, No, I definitely don't. And then he was one was like, I love your hometown. Like, let's yeah. get a. He, in fact, there's a running joke. We have a lot of running jokes. He has a. He's a big. Like he finds a joke and sticks to it. Yeah. And his is always like if we find something new, a new restaurant opens or, a, you know, I even if I take him to a new place or a new beach or something and he'll be like, you know, it's so good that you've really adapted to my hometown like this. Uh, he always yeah. is like, yeah. like, I'm so glad I get to show you these things in my hometown. Like yeah. he always calls it his mm-hmm. because it was as if I didn't want to come back. But I think that is the point is 
it has such a power over you. You either have to try to escape it or if you don't actively try to escape it, it will just take you back. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me. It just took me back. And then even this happened this week. I I had my son's orientation for middle school and it's my old junior high. I mean, I am walking through the halls. I'm like, that's where my locker was. That's where that class was. What? Like, all this week, like right, That's we had that conversation. Crazy. We're doing Ladybird. I'm back in my old school, and listen, I see people. They're you know from my high school and from school all the time, and it's not like I've never set foot back in there. But right, it's just all sort of hit me, and yeah, you were like, "What are level. you hiding from?" Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I, "I don't know. I might be." And I'm not the first person to move back to their hometown. I know that. But I don't know that I thought about it that much before. And this has all sort of made me think more about it, which I think is good. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thinking about things is good. Because even if you don't change anything, you just reconcile it in your own mind. And you could just feel better about your choices, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that is a good one. Mm-hmm. We got to dig a little deeper. Oh, it's like big, <laughs> big red arrows. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where's that? That's enough for now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly. Put it away for now. You know I'm all about that. I'm like, I will push you hard and then I will back off 100%. There we go. So my takeaway comes back to Dave Matthews' band. Oh, I love it. Yes. And so Greta was uh, on a podcast was talking about her love of that Dave Matthews band and specifically that song crash into me. And she said that there were people in her life at some point that told her she wasn't allowed to like Dave Matthews. And so she kind of denied it and put that music aside for some time and started looking for something more serious. But then she came back around in her life. I think she said in her, in her late twenties and she's like, you know what? I actually like this. I really like this music. I don't care if it's not okay to like it or it's not cool to like it. And when someone's asked or called her out on this hypocrisy or paradox, she was like, you know what? You got to love what you love. Yes. And I, I really like that because yeah. it's, a, it's a take on not caring what people think. I know it's kind of popular right now or to be like, just don't care. You know, give zero fucks. Like, yeah, don't care what like people that's think. That's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And also it can lead you, it can lead you astray. You could be rude. It could give you license to be rude or careless or thoughtless. Mm -hmm. But if you stand by that, you have to love what you love, love. right? Then it's hard to go wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to go wrong there. You're, you know, because you're not going to just be a jerk, like throw your garbage on the street and go, I got to love what I love. That's not right. Right. But if you, but if you're like, you know, I love this book or I love this music and I'm not going to apologize for it. Gosh, I have to lean into that every time I say yeah. I like country music. I get such abuse for it. And I didn't know this uh, express- saying from Greta, but I'm Kate, like, yeah, I, gotta love love I don't care. I love. love it. But that yes. I, I do with that because I, I yes. I'm not going to argue with people. I love it. You don't have to like yeah. it. I don't care. Yeah, but that's great. Yeah, you gotta love what you love. So I love thought that was love. a really good take on it, and mm-hmm. and and it's a nice way to end this note, uh, this episode because we love Ladybird. We love, we love the podcast. Yes, yes, there's a, a lot to love. Love what you love. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. 
And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore Women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.